You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. Again, explain those who are visitors, we run series which are preaching through books in the Bible, and normally in the evenings, Sinclair Ferguson is uh, just now going through the Sermon on the Mount, and in the mornings, I'm going through 2 Corinthians. And as I was thinking about this evening, I thought, I wonder, the passage I was due to do in 2 Corinthians 11, whether this uh, works in terms of a, a student church crawl and also for everyone else who's here. And as I looked at it, I think it does. So um, we are going to look at 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 15. We'll read it as we go along. But I want to begin with a confession. Uh, when I went to university, I was a fresher. I was 17 years old. Um, I'd just turned 17. I was very young. And I was at Edinburgh University. And um, I think, did the CU here do this? Welcome people and take their bags up to the halls. Do you do that yet? Okay, so that happened, and I met all these lovely Christians, and they said, would you like to go on a church crawl? And to be honest, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to go with a whole bunch of Christian students to a church that was full of students. So I was very proud, and I said, no, I'm going to find my own church. And I was also very spiritual. And I said, I I went out of Pollock Halls in Edinburgh, and the first Sunday I was there, and said, Lord, guide me. And I turned right, and I walked along, and I came to a church, and I thought, this is where God has guided me. I walked into the church. It's probably the most rubbish church I've ever been in my life. I actually got up and walked out after 15 minutes, and I thought, okay, that wasn't very good guidance. Um, And then I bumped into a girl, and that was very good guidance, because she invited me to Morningside Baptist, and that's where I went for the first couple of years. But thinking about how not just students, but all of us, how do we choose a church to go to? A number of years ago, I met with uh, someone who was on the CU exec, and they they had been, and they were just finishing their time here, and they asked to come and see me, and I, I met with them, and they were obviously quite concerned, and they said, David, I've absolutely loved being in Dundee, and I've loved being at the uni, but I made one huge mistake right at the beginning. I said, what was that? said, I went to a church where I haven't grown in four years, and I bitterly, bitterly regret it. So I'm wanting those of you who are freshers to think about the church you go to. I'm wanting those of us who are here in St. Pete's to think about the church we go to, and those of us who are maybe older or younger, to look at this question of what we actually look for in a church. Um, This is not, by the way, uh, a pitch for St. Peter's as the most perfect church in Dundee, because we are not. But it's just a very simple thing that uh, we need to think very carefully about uh, where we worship and why we worship where we worship. Let's begin then reading uh, the first few verses of chapter 11, the first four. It's on page 1164 if you have a, a Bible. A pew Bible, church Bible. Paul um, is writing to the Corinthians and he's saying this. I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness. You're already doing that. He, up to this point, he's had to uh, defend his ministry, defend what's happened. There are people in the church in Corinth, in Greece, who've been attacking him. He's away from them and he's, he's writing to them. 
Verse 2, he says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. You'll notice in that he is speaking to people who have a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And he's saying something that's really quite scary. He's saying, you who are genuine believers, you who've got a sincere and pure devotion to Christ, you can be deceived. Your minds can be deceived. You can be led astray from that sincere and pure devotion. Paul has said to the Corinthians, listen to me, I'm your spiritual father. I brought the gospel to you and I've continued to feed you. And when these people are undermining my ministry, he's not a proud man in that sense. He's saying they're undermining the gospel. And he is passionately concerned for them. And that's why he argues in a way which seems a bit foolish, because to him, he doesn't want to talk about himself. But he's being compelled to do so by the attacks that are made on the gospel by people attacking him. His first thing then he says in this is that a true preacher brings people to Jesus. Now I want to say to you that a priority in your mind, there are certain things we should always look for in a church. You want a church where there's going to be love. You want a church where there's an opportunity to serve. You want a church where, you know, there's decent praise. There's lots of things that people look for in a church. I confess that when I was first became a Christian, uh, I was drawn to particular churches by the number of young people, particularly those of the opposite sex that were actually in that church, uh, which is not a particularly good reason. But there are things that we look for. But one thing that is absolutely essential is what are you being taught in that church? Paul here says that he uses an image of marriage and he's, he's like a matchmaker. He says, I betrothed you to Jesus. And I want to present you to Jesus. The purest that I possibly can. Paul's interest is not to get people to like him. But to love Jesus Christ. And that's very, very important. You should be looking. We should all be looking and praying that God would grant us teaching that points us to Jesus Christ, enables us to see Jesus Christ, and enables us to love Christ more. How did the serpent beguile Eve? It's not, as some people thought, sexual, but it was twisting her mind, getting her to doubt what God had said. And our minds are so easily led astray. Our minds are so easily twisted. We can be deceived. It is so easily done. How do we avoid that? Well, that's what we're, we're, we're looking at. He talks about three things here. It's very interesting. He talks about a different Jesus. 
He says, you are being led astray because people are coming and preaching a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached. Everyone wants to create their own Jesus. Jesus the liberator. Jesus the gay activist. Jesus the political agitator. Jesus this. Jesus that. Sometimes you hear people say, my Jesus would never do this. But what Jesus are we talking about? We're talking about the Jesus of the Bible. We're talking about the second person of the Trinity. We're talking about a Jesus who really lived on this earth, who really did these miracles that are recorded, who really gave this teaching that is recorded, who really died, who really rose from the dead, who really is alive today, and who really communicates himself to us. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. The devil's greatest trick is to get someone to teach us about a different Jesus, to lead us away from the Jesus of the Bible. And that's why he says there's a different spirit. Romans 8 says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit points us to Jesus Christ. And here's the thing that for many people is really horrible. If we are taught false doctrine, if we are taught things that take us away from the real Jesus, that's not just people who are mistaken. That is teaching that is from the devil. That is the doctor, as Paul says, that is the doctrine of demons. And in our culture, in our society, that seems such a harsh thing to say. People say, well, what does it really, what does it really matter? One of the things that I found really heartbreaking amongst students here sometimes is you get a student who come along to, let's say, a church like Central Baptist, where it's really good teaching. Or you know, other, there are other churches in the city where there's good teaching. And I hope in, in this church there's good teaching. And, biblic, and by good, I mean biblical teaching. And then they might come here for one part, for maybe the morning service. And then they would go to a church where they weren't being taught the Bible. Maybe for the evening service because they liked a different style or different thing. I'm saying, what are you doing? This is a different Jesus. This is a different spirit. It does so much harm. And it's a different gospel. That's what he says. If someone comes and preaches a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. And this is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15. You'll you'll find this throughout both letters to the Corinthians. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. As it happens, we would have a wee discussion uh, in the uh, man's this afternoon, and Rosemary is looking at me in total panic, saying, don't you dare. But I was just checking to see you were awake. But we were, we were having a discussion, actually, about this subject. 
I was called through from preparing to talk to you about heresy, and I went through, and lo and behold, I was asked, what do you think of Rob Bell? And I thought, this is amazing. They're asking me about a heretic. So um, that sounds terrible for some people because Rob Bell is, was a well-known evangelical, inverted commas, communicator of the Bible, made some great videos, but more recently has shifted more and more away from this gospel. Like a man called Steve Chalk, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Chalk said that the idea of the atonement is like cosmic child abuse. And he mocked the atonement, and yet that is the very heart of the gospel. And yet what you will find is that there are Christians, Bible-believing Christians like these Corinthians, whose minds become deceived and they've been led away. I think also there's something a, a little bit different here. If you know your Bibles, you know that Paul wrote a letter to a church in the churches in Galatia. And there was a specific wrong teaching that he was dealing with. But in 2 Corinthians, it's interesting that it doesn't appear to be a specific wrong teaching. In fact, I suspect if you'd heard the super apostles who were uh, attacking Paul, they probably would have said all the right language and used all the right words. But there was something missing or perhaps something added on. And I wonder if um, maybe this is it. In 1 Corinthians, he talks about the cross, and he says the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And it seems that these super apostles loved the idea of a church where you came in, and it was powerful, and it was joyful, and it was always successful. And here's Paul, and Paul's speaking, and he's probably not the best-looking person. He is... Um, no, I'm not going to use that illustration. <laughs> I, was, I was going to say he's a bit like Alex Salmond. You know, he doesn't look the most attractive, uh, but a powerful speaker. But they, were, um, they would look at Paul and they'd say, he's a wee guy. He's got a squint nose maybe. He's, and actually, his oratory is not all that great. And they had criticisms of him. Some of those we'll see in a moment. And they would also see that Paul was constantly in trouble. He was beaten up. He was arrested. He almost died. And it seems as though in their theology, there was very little place for weakness, for suffering, for humiliation, and for death. And Paul says, no, we preach Christ crucified. They had a gospel that was good news that played down the cross and played up the glory. It was a gospel that was suited to the culture of the time because to the Greeks, the cross was foolishness. And so these super apostles were saying, don't keep going on about the cross. Yes, we know that Jesus died and he rose again. And let's focus on the, the good part of that. But not this horrible thing about God dying for our sins. Because that won't appeal to our culture. Please beware of churches that are constantly saying, well, in order to reach the culture, we need to make the Bible more relevant. No, the point is, in order to reach the culture, you need to teach the Bible. And that will challenge the culture. So, for example, 1 Corinthians 2, 
When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. The gospel is not advice. The gospel is power. When someone gives you advice, you're looking at the person. You're saying, okay, I, I want, I, do I trust that person? Are they a wise person? But the gospel is not advice. The gospel is the power of God. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So you could hear the gospel from someone who wasn't a particularly good speaker. You could hear the gospel from someone who wasn't a particularly attractive personality you could hear the gospel from a non-celebrity, and because it's the gospel, it's the gospel that's powerful. Colossians 1, we preach Christ crucified. I have become, says Paul, the servant of the gospel by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. People will sometimes choose churches by denomination. Please don't do that. You choose a church by whether it's biblical. Now, you can argue some denominations are more biblical than others. But one of the key criteria that must always be there is, is this person teaching me the word of God? Is he feeding me, feeding my soul? Sometimes people veer over into legalism. Sometimes they veer over into liberalism. Sometimes you actually get people who preach the gospel and they're pretty sound in what they preach, but their lifestyle contradicts it and it's affects and impacts eventually what they're saying. These men were saying, we're powerful, we're apostles, we're orators, we're educated. And look at Paul. So the first thing then is, you're looking to be fed the gospel. You're looking to be fed Christ. You're looking to be fed his word. Maybe one other just uh, passing remark in that. I don't know who first said it, and it's a cliche, but I really like it. It goes like this, sermonettes make Christianettes. You know, if you're, I remember once going to speak at a CU, and, and I was told by the president of the CU, keep it short and keep it simple, because the students have had a hard week. It was a Friday. It was the days when you had your CU, main CU meetings on a Friday. And the thought struck me then, as it stri strikes me now, these were people who were doctors, uh, or planning to be doctors, studying philosophy, studying politics, studying history, studying science. You think that they've got minds that they were using. Keep it short. Keep it simple. I think that what you should be looking for is to be fed and taught God's word. Somebody said about this morning here in the church, and I'm saying this because I wasn't preaching. Sinclair was preaching. He said, I looked at my watch. It was 28 minutes past 12. And I thought, where did that time all go? Because if you're being taught God's word and you're feeding God's word and you're feeding on Christ... You're not saying, 10 minutes please, quick, I've got to go. I've got something to do, something more important. Second thing Paul does is this. 
he talks about how they're attacking him. Let me just read this uh, from verse 5. I do not think I am the least inferior to these super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I've kept myself from being a burden to you in any way, and I will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. And I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. Now, what Paul is saying here is very important. He's saying the preacher of God's words does not elevate himself but lowers himself. And he's saying these super apostles, they think I'm an idiot. And actually, that's what they say. Was it a sin for me to lower myself? I'm not a trained speaker. I'm not a skilled speaker. And the word there for, for skilled is, is the Greek word idiotis. And he's saying that. He says, they think I'm an idiot. They think that my preaching doesn't have polish. They were also really concerned that Paul didn't charge for his sermons. He did menial work. When he first went to Corinth, he stayed with a couple who, like him, had a trade, and that trade was repairing tents. And here he is, an apostle. And these super apostles are saying, who's this guy? He's working class. He's not educated. Not properly. Not in Greek oratory. Maybe they were also a little offended because he didn't accept assistance from them, but he did accept it from the Macedonian churches who were actually poorer. He says that himself, I robbed other churches to be able to serve you. The super apostles were different. They accepted a lot of money. They enslaved or exploited. If you go on to uh, verse 20 in that chapter, he says, in fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. Paul said, I didn't do that. I came to serve you. I worked hard. Now, he was entitled to money. I'm not going to read it all, but if, you, if you're interested, you go to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 7 to 14, where he says, this is my defense for those who pass judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? And he goes on to talk about how those who preach the gospel have a right to have their living come from the gospel. But he says, we didn't use this right. I didn't do that. Why? Because we put it with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Paul, I think, was aware that money was very much an idol in that culture. And rather than go along with it, he said, I'm not going to give anyone the opportunity to say we're doing this just for the money. And he says, I've not used any of these rights. I would die rather than have anyone deprive me of this boast. And yet I'm not boasting because when I preach the gospel... I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And he said, my delight is being able to preach the gospel free of charge. Because in that culture, again, what they did was you'd go and hear a lecture and you would pay for it. You would, um, if you were at university in Corinth, 
you would go along to your lectures. You wouldn't be signed up to the university. You would go to a particular teacher, and the more popular teachers, their places would be completely styled out um, in Ephesus in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, which is obviously a nickname for a teacher who's called the tyrant. Um, That's an example of that. So you'd go as a student and you'd actually pay for your lectures. Um, Some of you will have lectures tomorrow and uh, I think if you had to pay, you might think, well, I just have a lie in bed in the morning. But Paul says, I didn't charge. I gave it for free. And these people, these false apostles, they looked and they mocked because they sold themselves as the best. They were flashy and glamorous. They could charge more because people believed that they were the best. Um, I don't know if you've got your iPhone 6 yet. Um, I got a, a, a message actually this afternoon, bizarrely, offering me one for the bargain price of £500 from someone who bought it by mistake. Uh, you can get the big one for £900. Now, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm not all that particularly interested. But Apple can get away with charging what they want because people are daft enough. Like a guy who went and took a hotel room in Glasgow so that he could get up early enough to queue outside the Apple store in Glasgow. I'm sorry, but there's something wrong with you if if that's what you're prepared to do. But that's why Apple can charge what they want. It's why you go to an art gallery and you go and you you wonder how much are these paintings worth? And if you were just looking at the paintings, you might say, well, that one's really good. I really like that. How much is that? Oh, that's a couple of hundred quid. What about that one? It's ugly as can be. Oh, that's 20,000. Oh, wow. I'll buy that one. Because it's, why? Because people, you know, they charge, I mean, suckers are born every day. And that's sometimes what happens. Remember that, some of you, again, you're far too young to remember remember this. But there was a guy who, genius, invented the concept of a pet rock. That you put it in a box, and it's just a stone, and you sold it as a pet. It was a Japanese guy. And... Loads of people. He made a fortune. He became a millionaire out of it. Someone else decided they would sell a box of fresh air. And people started buying that as well. Why? I mean, it just, it's, it's insane. Well, Paul's kind of saying, people don't like me because I preach the gospel for free and they charge. And you think that their gospel is worth, worth more because they charge. And he says, no, I offer it for free. Now, you'll see a pattern here. Acts 20, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. This is an amazing passage, and you can see the patterns. I'm I'm quoting so many scriptures here because I want you to see how this is a key theme in the New Testament. Acts 20, 25. I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And who are these savage wolves? It's always the same. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. You see how important this is? Paul is saying to them, I'm sure he did warn them about sexual sin. I'm sure he did warn them about greed and pride. We know that. But he's saying to them, I warned you day and night that be people come even out of your own number who would turn 
you away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Sorry, that's the next one. Which can build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my own companions. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul says, I lowered myself in order to serve. Because the gospel is that important and that precious. And then the last thing is simply this. The true preacher exposes falsehood. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. You go back to verse 5 and verse 5 says, uh, rather verse 4, it says, you put up with it easily enough. It's astonishing. People in churches won't put up with a lot of different things. Maybe speak rudely to them. They won't put up with that. Might not put up with some blatant sin. They might not put up with some breach of church etiquette. Church order. But it's astonishing how in the Christian church, so many people put up with false teaching. There's a right kind of tolerance and there's a a wrong kind. Here, there was a lack of vigilance because these false apostles, says Paul, and he doesn't mince words, they are deceitful workmen. Satan's attacks are seldom direct. Colossians 2, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. They're not just backslidden Christians mistaken. They are false. Satan often dresses up, masquerades. That's what he's saying. Hypocrisy as a Christian. In Dundee, there are, I think, four churches of this group. They started here very, 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 very young. Uh, In 1822, a man called Joseph Smith said he had a visit from the angel Moroni. It's not the best name. I think, in Scotland anyway, to to call your angel. And this angel directed him to some gold plates hidden in a hill in New York State. They were written in a language, which doesn't exist, called ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, which he needed a pair of magic glasses to read, which are now broken. And he can't go to Specsavers and get them back. They're, They're gone. And so came the Book of Mormon. And so we learned that Christ went to the United States and so on. And you think, well, what's that got to do with anything? It's got to do with the fact that today there's probably about seven or eight hundred people in Dundee who've attended the Mormon church. And it's desperately sad because it's completely wrong and false teaching. That's at one end of the spectrum, if you like. But that goes on in the Christian church as well. There will be numerous churches throughout Scotland today where people have stood up and they may, they may have said very, very little, but they've not proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The real danger is not unbelief, but wrong belief. Now, there's a problem here, or a warning. Should we address everyone with suspicion? Should you be coming into every church? Should you be sitting here right now and going, okay, I've got to check that he's okay here and he's sound on this and sound on that? No. I honestly believe the Lord grants us discernment if we wait upon him. But it is vital that we go to a church where we are fed the word of God, where we are asked to think, not just spoon-fed stuff, we're asked to think where Christ is honored and where Christ is lifted up. Those of us who, who regularly come to the church here, and um, I, I say this uh, absolutely sincerely since he's not here, I think Sinclair Ferguson's just, to me, one of the best preachers of God's word that I've ever heard, and I'm so thankful that I'm able to hear him. But I tell you this, it's not because it's Sinclair Ferguson, it's because it's God's word. It's God's word. And sometimes we take that for granted, and we mustn't take it for granted. When you've been fed sugar-coated poison, to be fed the pure milk of God's word, the pure meat of God's word, is wonderful. The true preacher will have to expose falsehood. So, let me kind of wind this up then. Worldliness is not just about false teaching. It's about the attitudes and the emphasis that come along with that. And Derek Prime, in writing about this, uh, gives, I think, some really helpful advice. He said, if you want to examine your own heart and to see where you are as a Christian, he said, there are three things identified here that can really help you. And so I just mention them. Number one, devotion to Christ. He says, you were devoted to Jesus Christ. Christ complains to the church at Ephesus, they'd lost their first love. By the time you get to Revelation, the church at Ephesus that Paul had warned about, these wolves will come in, they came in with their false teaching. The people's love had grown cold. Corinthians, the danger was probably that money would get in the way or other things would get in the way. And I think when you talk about the love that will not let you go, that's the love of Jesus. Jesus, lover of our soul. But we need to ask where our devotion is. Our devotion must be, cannot be to the external things, but our devotion must first of all be to Jesus Christ. Secondly, we have to be watchful in listening. We're not just wanting to hear stories that make us amused. We're not just uh, wanting to hear fantastic communicators. Uh, I was talking about another woman who I'm not allowed to mention um, who's a lady preacher, and um, Joyce Meyer, so I'll just say it. <laughs> she's a brilliant communicator. Honestly, she's a fantastic communicator. She can hold you like that. And she teaches some good stuff. But honestly, she teaches a lot of rubbish as well. I wouldn't touch her with a barge pole. And yet, thousands of Christians lap it up. We have to be watchful in listening. And I really do mean this. If you hear me preach and you're looking and saying, I don't, I don't know what's going on, David. He's, he's not teaching the Bible. Just There's something wrong here. Feel free to tell me. Um, probably not immediately after the service. Uh, arrange to meet up and have a wee chat or write me a wee note and say, look, I was really struggling with some of the things. Because that's the last thing I want. We need to be watchful in listening. Even if we really like the person. Even if they amuse us and they entertain us and we get a good buzz and a good feeling out of them. Just keep asking, Lord, is this, is this your word? Is this what you say? 
And that's why the third thing Derek Prime advocates is we are to be discerning. We've not to be sent sentimental about tolerance, and we've not to be gullible. And I remember up in uh, the, the manse, which hopefully some of you will get to visit if you come here. You will get a meal with us. Uh, one time there was a crowd of us sitting around in our dining room, and uh, uh, one of the deacons said here, I can't believe this. They've taken the word gullible out of the dictionary. And someone said, have they? <laughs> it was just, look, we're Christians. We're meant to think. Don't be gullible about all the stuff. There are so many examples. But this, for me, is where it all comes back to. Devotion to Christ. Don't let your hearts be troubled. We are, you could even be here and your heart could be really troubled about many things. Jesus says, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions. If, I were, if it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. This is the real Jesus. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And this is the brilliance of it. Jesus answered, I am the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, that's why being taught the Jesus of the Bible is so important. You can have a statue of Jesus. You can have people use the name of Jesus in every single sentence. You can sing songs to Jesus. But if you are not proclaimed the Jesus of the Bible, you're not getting the way, the truth, and the life. If you really knew me, said Jesus, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See what he's saying? You know me, you know God. Philip doesn't get it. He says, Lord, show us the father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, you've got this the wrong way around. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the father. Philip's saying, show me the father. And Jesus saying, here, look. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. See, that's the wonderful thing. People say, ah, believe in God when I see him. I say, come and hear God's word and you'll see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see the Father. And this church is a miserable failure if you come in here and you walk out seeing lots of things, seeing your sin, seeing the sins of other people, seeing good things in other people and bad things in other people, talking about the styles of worship, talking about clothes, talking about anything, but you never, ever see Jesus. Then that's a cause for us all to fall on our knees in repentance and plead with God that He would show His Son to us. I don't care what church you go to, if in that church you meet Jesus and you are taught Jesus and you are taught His Word and His Word is honored and not twisted and not distorted and not mucked around with and not ignored. But I care passionately if you as a believer go with your faith in Jesus, pure and sincere, and are fed poison that will infect you 
and so harm you and so harm your faith. In the providence of God, thankfully, there are several churches in Dundee of different denominations where you will hear the word of God. Make sure that you go to one of them. And those of us who regularly come here, please do not take the preaching of the word of God for granted. Pray that it would be powerful and effective and come in every morning, every evening on the Lord's day and saying, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see Jesus. Grant that through our praise and our prayers and the reading of your word and the proclamation of your word that we would see him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that even when it's delivered by people who are fallible, people who are sinful, people who don't come across as particularly attractive in some ways, that it's still your word. Thank you, O Lord, that when it is delivered by people who are powerful and uh, great orators and very attractive people, yet your word is so powerful that it overcomes that as well. And it points us to Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we have each of us here. Our greatest need is to see you. Help us to see you. Fill us with your spirit. Bless every uh, student here. Bless those who are older and those who are younger. Lord, especially your blessing upon the children. And grant that all of our days we would walk in your way, in your truth, in your life. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to finish by uh, singing well-known contemporary hymn. Uh, Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.